Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The first reading is found from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree that's seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given you every plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Word of God. Word of life. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you get really excited about paying taxes? Anybody have uh, April 15th marked with a smiley face on your calendar already? One, okay. (laughs) Maybe check your pay stub every single week just to see how much you've been able to contribute to the government. (laughs) April 15th because it's your birthday, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. So depending on your political persuasion, some might see taxes as more necessary and beneficial than others, but I've yet to meet anyone who enjoys paying them, even if it is your birthday, and yet 
I trust that all of you pay your taxes, right? Because you don't want to get in trouble with the government for not paying them. And this requirement to pay your taxes or get into legal trouble was the same in Jesus' day, but even more heightened at the time because the Jewish people, Jesus' people, had been conquered by the Roman Empire and the taxes they were required to pay went to Rome. And so their taxes were this constant reminder that they were a conquered, oppressed people. And so in our gospel story today, Jesus' enemies come up with this really good trap for him, a great gotcha question. And I love the way that they ask it, because they start out by trying to flatter Jesus, sort of butter him up. Teacher, we know that you are sincere, that you teach the way of God in accordance with truth, blah, blah, blah. And then they get to their trap. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the Roman emperor or not? And there is no good answer. Obviously, according to the Romans, paying your taxes to Caesar is not optional. There's only one right answer. And so if Jesus says, no, don't pay the tax, the Herodians, who are the collaborators with Rome, they'll go running to the Romans and the Romans will arrest Jesus for sedition and rebellion. But if Jesus says, yes, you should pay your taxes, well, then the Pharisees, the religious leaders, will jump on him and spread the word around Jerusalem that Jesus is a collaborator. He's a supporter of those pagan Romans that we all hate. And actually, it's even worse than that. The first commandment, I should quiz Lillian, Nolan, or Lillian Everett because we just talked about this at Confirmation. The first commandment in the Bible of the Ten Commandments, the first commandment God gives the Jews is have no other gods besides the Lord. Don't worship anything but God, which includes not making any graven images or idols. And what is right there on those Roman coins? A picture of Caesar. And every time the Jewish people have to use this Roman money, it just grates at them, especially the Pharisees, because it's a reminder that they're a conquered, subjugated people. But it's also a religious violation. Dr. Rolf Jacobson explains, on the head's side of the coin was a portrait of the emperor Tiberius, along with the inscription, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. So literally, King Tiberius, the son of God. And then on the tail side of the coin, there's this woman depicting peace with the words high priest, referring to the emperor as the high priest of the empire. Now, our money today says, in God we trust. You can debate whether that's true or not or whether it belongs on money. But at least our dollar bills don't have a picture saying George Washington is the son of God. This is so contrary to everything that the Jewish people and Jesus believe. And so Jesus' enemy's question is a fantastic trap because no matter what he says, he's going to get in trouble. And then he finds a way out of it. He says, show me the coin used for the tax. And notice who in the story is actually carrying around this piece of Roman propaganda. Jesus has no coins on him, but somebody in the group challenging him does. So there's a little hypocrisy right there, right? And Jesus points at the coin and says, okay, show me whose head is stamped on here. Whose image is on this piece of metal? Well, obviously it's the emperor's. It's an imperial coin. And then Jesus speaks that great line, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, 
and to God the things that are God's. So yes, pay your taxes to the emperor. Give the emperor what belongs to him. And it's a wonderfully simple response. And it has a whole bunch of implications for us today, even though I imagine none of us have coins quite like that. On the most basic level, this story, I'm sorry to tell you this, means that you don't get a religious exemption from paying your taxes. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. And there's something here, too, about the American idea of separation of church and state, too, right? The government under which we live, the government we pay taxes to, does get to have a certain amount of authority in the world. But the government does not get the ultimate authority over spiritual things, over the things properly belonging to the realm of the church, and vice versa. So we have rights and obligations as citizens of our country, and yet we also serve a higher power. We just said in Psalm 99, the Lord is king. So that's another level. Another implication from this story has to do with stewardship, being a steward. And we're going to spend the next four weeks talking in a series about stewardship, different aspects of stewardship. So let's stop and define this morning what that word stewardship means. That's such a church word to throw around. And often churches and pastors, and I catch myself doing this sometimes, we use stewardship as the Christianese word for money, specifically money that ought to be given to the church, right? And you should give money to the church. That's important. That's biblical. That's part of stewardship. And stewardship is much more than just the money. That first reading from Genesis, we heard God creating humankind in our image according to our likeness. And then a verse later it repeats, So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And we talked about this last week in Confirmation too, with the Apostles' Creed. The most fundamental fact about God is God creates. The first line of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. And we can quibble about how exactly God creates. We can talk about all sorts of different aspects about that. But most importantly for how we relate to God, God creates us. God is our creator. And God creates us in the image of God. We are made to bear God's image. And the Latin phrase for this, how's your Latin? The Latin phrase for this is imago Dei, which means literally the image of God. One of our church's uh, Bible camps, Outdoor Ministries, is named after this phrase. Some of you, I think, have been to Imago Dei Village up in Clintonville. We bear God's image. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate Lillian and Everett's baptisms. And really, this idea of bearing God's image is a big part of what baptism is all about. In baptism, God claims you. And all that other stuff that builds up and obscures the image of God is washed away. And in baptism, God declares, you belong to me. You are my child, and I love you. You bear the image of your creator. You belong to the one who made you, the one who created you. And so if we are to follow Jesus' instructions and give to God what is God's, that's everything. 
That's everything that we are. Everything belongs to God. Everything that I have is something that God created. Everything I am belongs to God. Take all of me, as we just sang. And so often in stewardship campaigns in churches, the question becomes, how much should I give to God? What percentage of what I make or of what I have should I give to the church or other charities? 5%? That's a lot. The biblical standard is 10%, which we call tithing. I've seen a statistic, the average American Christian gives about 2.5% of their income away. That's not particularly high. (laughs) But of course, that's entirely the wrong question. The question ought to be, how much of what God has trusted to me am I going to keep and use for myself? Because remember, it all belongs to God. I'm not saying you should give all your money to the church, but I'm saying everything you have belongs to God and we are stewards and we are to use that for God's work. We are caretakers. We are stewards of what God has trusted to us. And so I said we should define stewardship. Here's the definition I'm going with. Stewardship is our call to tend everything God has trusted to us. Stewardship is how we represent God in the world. How we use the time that we have, the talents we're given, the treasures God has blessed us with. And sometimes people say, all the church wants is your money. Anyone ever heard that before? (laughs) It's wrong on several levels, I hope. One of them, though, is that no, God doesn't just want your money. God wants your entire life. So you've heard it said, give to Caesar. And that's not really optional in our society. (laughs) But Jesus says... Not just give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And ultimately, it is all God's, including the part that we give to the government. Imago Dei, this idea that we are created in God's image, that also has implications for how we treat ourselves, right? Paul says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God sees you as precious, as beloved, as beautiful, no matter what you look like. God created you and God saw that it was good. God chooses not to see the junk that all of us carry, the parts that are falling apart, all the junk this world piles on top of us. God sees you as beloved. And sin might cloud that image of God, but it does not and it cannot erase it. I did a graveside funeral for a family on Thursday through the funeral home, not connected directly to church. And I told them the promise of Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing that we do, nothing that we fail to do, nothing that is done to you. You belong to Christ and you are loved and nothing can stop that. Of course, we could stop there this morning I thought about it. But this teaching from Jesus also has one more pretty big implication that I think we need to dig into. And this one can be hard because it's not just us who bear the image of God, who bear the Imago Dei. Everyone is created in God's image, all humankind. And that has implications for how we treat each other. And so it's been so hard to watch all the violence happening, especially in Israel and Gaza over these last two weeks. And it's not just the violence, which is awful enough, it's the dehumanization. 
I read a powerful editorial, I think it was in Tuesday's New York Times, from Rabbi Rachel Rachel Timoner of Congregation Bess Elohim in Brooklyn. And after talking about the horror of these terror attacks and the hostage-taking, she writes, and I quote, Israel is now seeking to free the hostages and incapacitate Hamas. Those are necessities, and the ceasefire is not possible until the hostages are home. And because we are all created in God's image, we must also plead, pray, and lobby that Israel focuses on those most urgent priorities and stops all indiscriminate attacks, indiscriminate attacks on Palestinians. Because we are all created in God's image. The Israeli defense minister said after those initial terror attacks, quote, we are fighting human animals and we act accordingly. And that's part of a long history in many cultures of dehumanizing enemies. The Nazis did it to the Jews. Our nation has done it at various times publicly to Native Americans. Hamas certainly did not see those that they attacked as people. They saw them as obstacles or political bargaining chips. How would it change the world if we could see all people as bearing the image of God? Of course, it's easy for me to say, standing here this morning in safety, how dare we tell people whose loved ones have been brutally murdered to hold back from vengeance? And yet, how can peace come unless we see enemies as human beings worthy of life? And so I don't have an answer to Middle Eastern conflict. It's not my place to try to come up with one. But I do know that as Christians, we have to see them, whoever them might be at the moment, we have to see them as made in God's image, bearing that same image as us. And we are called to give to God what is God's. Please join me in prayer. God, our creator, there is so much broken in this world right now. So many people who are suffering around the world and right here in our own community. Lord, when we are tempted to hate others, open our eyes to see your image in them. Help us to use everything that you have entrusted to us to bless our neighbors, to do good in this world you love. Thank you for claiming us as your own and for loving us today and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.